Welcome to episode 10 of CTU Speaks. We're back. Homie, I was taught by Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I'm Andrea Parker. I'm Jim Starros. Today, we're going to have some very special guests here today. We're going to have Jen Johnson, who is the chief of staff of the Chicago Teachers Union. Yep. And she's going to talk about the evolution of the contract, how it was different just three weeks ago into what it is or what it became today. We're also going to talk to the president of the Chicago Teachers Union, Jesse Sharkey, nice. and just talking about where how do we get our tentative agreement and what are the next steps for the Chicago Teachers Union and our members. And then we're going to talk to... Deputy General Counsel yes. of CTU, Thaddeus Goodchild. And he's going to talk about class size enforcement because that was a big stickler for all of us. Yeah, it was. And just talk about what that looks like. And when we get to the thing with Thad, it's going to be really a deep dive into this. It's going to be a lot of technical stuff, a lot in the weeds, but it's really important to a lot of teachers. And so I apologize to anybody out there that thinks it's a little too much, but we want to make sure we have too much than too little so we all understand exactly what's going on when we get back to our classrooms. That's right, because we have to enforce this contract right. now. But before we get to our guests, we're going to talk about the contract a little bit, just some things that we won and some things that we did not get that we may have wanted. Yep. But again, definitely more wins than what we did not get. Yeah, that's okay? exactly true. So let's start, let's start with the, the negative because it's very little negative. Very little. We did want a three-year contract. We did. But we got a five-year. Yeah. So we're still not married to it. No. It's, it's not forever. It's not a great idea, but you know, it's it, three years would be better. It would help us politically when next time the mayor comes up for election, we can put that pressure on. Mm -hmm. Right. But that was one of the things we did not win exactly what we wanted. Correct. And we also, for elementary school teachers, we did not get that 30 minutes of prep time. That's true. Coming from an elementary school teacher, this was a big deal for us. Um, however, we know that things there are compromised and we're going to continue to work together to make sure that we collaborate and make the most of the time that we do have. Exactly. But we got some wins. We did. We got a lot. A lot of wins. So in this five-year contract, we are getting the 16% raise. Not bad. So like 3.25% every year. Yep. And our PSRPs. 40%. 40%. Yeah, that's a big raise. Raise life of the contract. That's nice. It is, especially for them. They were on, on the low end of the pay scale. Yes. That's a very important raise to get these at professional pay levels for the professional jobs they do. Because shamefully, many were making poverty wages yeah, on the federal that's, law. That's an embarrassment. It is. Yeah. So also for veteran teachers. So if you are 14 years in the game, you know that in the times past, your step get has frozen stopped. Out. Frozen for like five years. Yep. And- that was not good nope. because we want our veteran teachers to be invested in. So we did get five million annually, which is twenty five million over the life of the contract yep. to be dedicated to step raises for our veteran teachers who are fourteen years and up. Exactly, and we also got a lot of change in staffing. When you add up all the changes in staffing mm -hmm. that we got, it's over seven hundred and fifty full time staff positions. Woo -woo! I know that was a huge thing that we were yes. trying to get. These include social workers, nursing positions, case managers. Mm. All right, these are really important positions that we have within our buildings that this is something, if you remember back just a couple of weeks ago, Mayor Lightfoot said, what about staffing? We ain't going to get none. There's no money. Apparently there's some now for 750. That's a lot more than zero. Not it being is. a math teacher, 750 is more than zero. Yes. And then class size, one of the really big things. Exactly. Um, we have enforceable language for class size. Yeah. So no longer can you just 
make a suggestion or the the, um, yeah. the class size panel make a suggestion to your principal and they can say yay or nay. Yeah, didn't you have like 42 in your class at one 43. point? 43. Oh, my bad. 43. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to underestimate. So now I don't have to. Don't got to worry about that no more. Worry about that. Like something's going to be done with that. Exactly. So. And we're going to have Thad come in later to talk about that yes, and get he- into the real specifics of it. Because one of the best things for Miss Parker here is if she had that situation again, she doesn't even need to write anything up. It's an automatic fix. Automatic. Automatic. And it's real quick too. It's not like something you'll see in like a year and a half when those kids are gone. It's going to be right away. Also with special education, there's language to reduce the workload because we know our special education teachers have a huge workload. Yes, they do. With writing IEPs, many of which can take a whole day to write. Exactly. And we're going to have have language to reduce reduce their load and also give them more funding to help them um, get those things intact. And there's also going to be, we're going to be rolling back that healthcare increase, that 0.8% increase. Oh, yeah. Um, that was rescinded and it's going to be rescinded as of July 1st. So any of those premiums that were paid uh, between July 1st and now, those will be refunded and that's not going to go into the future. So that healthcare cost has been rolled back. And it also includes reduction in co-pays for mental health services and physical therapy, which is really important. And we can't forget those sick days that many members are mad about. They could not that. bank. We even mad the last contract. So about now that. our sick day bank has increased from 40 to 244 days. That's a lot of days. Now, even though you cannot cash out those days, they are still pensionable. They are. And you can transfer them to other people. You can do all those things. Just can't cash them out unless you have those that are grandfathered in. But 240 is still great. That's great. 244. Yes. Don't miss those four. Oh, I'm sorry. 244. It's all right. You're, you're cool. Don't worry about it. It's still pretty yes. close. Yes. More and more and more. And there has still been um, language on charter school moratorium. Yep. So though we don't have school closing language, we have charter school um, expansion language where there be a net zero increase in the number of authorized charters. That's right. And there was also a big increase in, in sports administration. Yay. All right. So they got another $5 million, a 33% increase over their previous budgets. That's going to increase coaching stipends, new equipment, new resources for students and for schools. This is going to be a big plus for all these kids that are involved in athletics. Because it's all about equity. And we want our kids to be able to enjoy the resources that every student in any school would have so we just want to make sure that equity is um, being built and there's many more of these wins you can see a a very quick breakdown of them on ctu's website if you go to ctulocal1.org you'll be able to find this breakdown of what's in the tentative agreement give you a real quick thing and you can also access the entire tentative agreement on the members portal but no this uh, agreement is still tentative it would not be ratified until you I mean, your school got 10 days from um, from Friday because it's 10 days after the first day we go back into the buildings. We have 10 days to ratify. That means you have the opportunity to to vote. So if you like the contract, you are okay with it, even though it's not perfect. If you are okay with it, then you vote yes. If not, then you vote no. If we vote yes, we stay in the building. If we vote no, then we're going back out on the streets. That's true. But it's up to us. That's how democracy works within the That's union. Right. We make sure everybody has a say. So it's not something that Jesse or Stacy or Miss Parker here decides on her own because we wouldn't want that. No, we, no, we would not. That. No, we would not. <laughs> but I make good decisions. But uh, of course you do. <laughs> um, but yes, and all we need is a simple majority. So a simple majority, yes, we stay in the building. A simple majority, no, we go back out. And also, even though um, we have an tentative agreement. We are still out today. And the reason why we're out today is because we have been trying to figure out the way we go back in. We wanted some days made up for being out. And we got five days. Uh, we don't know how those five days will be distributed yet, but we will definitely tell you when we know them. But we got five days back. 
That's true. And Jesse will be talking about that in a little bit. So after the break, we'll be right back with Jen Johnson, the chief of staff of the Chicago Teachers Union. Okay, we're now back with Jen Johnson, the chief of staff here at CTU. How you doing, Jen? What's up, Jim? I'm tired, but feeling good still. Well, we are very lucky to have her. She's a super busy woman here, running everything, doing her thing. But we got her here for a few minutes, so we're going to ask her a couple questions about how we kind of got to where we are, some of these larger issues when we take a look at it from a distance. So what, what do you think we've gotten from this, and what does it mean for us here in the city? Yeah, I mean, I think CTU members have been clear that they are willing to be the tip of the spear in the fight for educational justice. Folks in Chicago have put up with a lot in our schools with the things that we don't have. We've experienced cuts and and people come to work every day and try to do right by their kids. And this is the next phase of their fight. Um, for what kids need and for what they need. they re- I really just so appreciate our members because they don't just fight for the things like salary and benefits, but you right. know we took on issues like class size and staffing, which technically the district could, right, they could just have refused to bargain with us over that. And essentially they did for they 10 did. months, right? Yep. But our members said we're willing to go on strike for you know mandatory subjects and still continue to pull on the thread of these permissive subjects. And with that, we've won for the first time, historic um, gains in terms of class size and staffing. Right. And that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for members saying, you know what, it's time for us to draw the line in the sand and, and get wins and get more resources into our schools. Right. I mean, and what, what really strikes me is that if we had accepted what the mayor said she could not do, and I can't even count how many times she said we couldn't do this. That's right. I can't do that. I'm stuck on this. And then she did. Yeah. And, and almost every single one of them. It's kind of... Uh, hard to imagine as an educator how, how a politician is able to just completely go back on our word so many yeah. times. Like as educators, we got to tell our kids the truth. Um, but we heard for 10 months that we couldn't bargain over class size and staffing. And then literally day one and day two of the strike, CPS provided finally counter proposals on both of those subjects, right. right? The mayor said then after a week on strike, there's no more money. We can't put any more yep. money into those issues. And then two days later, there's extra millions of dollars being put on the table. Yeah, big surprise. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, you know, it's unfortunately we have to go on strike in order to get what we need, right. um, but it just shows us how powerful our collective uh, action is. Exactly, and that we, you know, we stuck together, we stuck with what we needed, and that kind of solidarity that the mayor didn't know what to do with that. That's right. I don't understand. She really how. didn't know how to do much, right, Jim? Yeah. And then she said, we, we're not going to make up the the days. Exactly, I was just going to say that. What? Yep. You, you just said we can't, uh, cut any instructional time. Right. We can't give elementary school teachers prep, but Shame you don't want to make, right? That's right. Shame crazy. on us. I remember that, uh, you know, oh, it's such a shame the teachers want to take away instructional time. Now we want to get it back. She's like, eh, no. Right. It's, it's pretty hard to believe that she bounces successfully back from this. You know, she clearly is not the person that we thought she was or that some people right. thought she was. And we're going to continue to have to try to work with her and hold her accountable. So what do you think this means like as a larger picture of labor here in Chicago? Because this was a really important movement. And, you know, one of the things I think we forget because, you know, we're in it is we forget how sort of the country and the world even looks to us. 
And I continually on the strike lines meet people from other cities, sometimes up from other countries, and they're really looking at us. What do you think this means for us here in the city, but as a larger labor movement? Yeah, I think that our strike will further strengthen the network of allies that we've made around the country. Um, it's not an accident that there's been a strike wave around the country. Teachers are talking to each other. Right. We have we have friends and allies that we are in regular communication with. Right during the uh, Los Angeles teacher strike, you know, we had folks go out there. Um, we had UTLA folks come here and tell us their lessons. You know, we're constantly learning from one another and right. really trying to. Um, improve upon this idea of bargaining for the common good, right? right. The more that teachers unions kind of lead on that, the more other labor organizations are going to pick up that mantle too. We've got to be in it for winning for workers' rights, but also for winning for the good of our communities. And I think that um, this strike demonstrates that not only can you just say you're bargaining for the common good, right. but you can actually win. Exactly. Um, and, and that was similar with UTLA. So I just think this is going to continue. Um, and we're in a point where we can actually make wins and not just be on strike defensively. Right. What would you say for any of our members or members in the community that say we could have gotten more? Yeah. We could have done better. You know, this is the nature of bargaining. There's always going to be this feeling that there's something left on the table. And we have to make these kind of sober assessments about um, how much we've got, what is there to lose, and what is there to gain. And and from my view, um, what we've gained in this contract is pretty unprecedented. There's no rollbacks of existing Uh, contract wins from the last contract. Mm -hmm. We've added teacher veteran pay, paraprofessional pay, close to 700 or more than 700 new positions will be staffed in the schools over the life of the contract. Class size reduction, that's five times um, as much as it used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that were going to be really hard and we knew they were going to be really hard, like elementary prep time. And I think that's that's a source of um, challenge for our elementary educators. And we're going to have to continue to make the case um, to the board and the mayor that that's something they should work on anyway. We've got to let them know that instructional time will actually be um, more improved if there's additional collaboration time. So, you know, you never get everything in a single contract. And I think that's the amazing thing about the audacity of our members. They expected to win and they did. And sometimes it can be hard to reflect and say, well, what's the next fight? Because you want to get everything um, in this fight. And I just think we've gotten so much. We've got a huge foothold up the ladder and we're going to continue to uh, make gains going forward. There was someone who spoke at HOD last night that said this is a good stepping stone to Mm -hmm. the next contract. Mm -hmm. It gets us new ground that we can fight on and fight for. I think that's an important point. That sounds right. So one of the things um, some people were confused about in our contract, we were arguing about things that don't directly have anything to do with education. Supposedly. Right. Supposedly. (laughs) Right. Uh, The one that sticks in my head, a few people had mentioned and I've heard from others uh, was about why we're talking about um, housing policy sure. and how that is an educational issue. Yeah. And then we ended up getting some of these concessions in the contract. So yeah. I thought maybe you could talk about that for a second. Sure. Yeah. I think the fight around housing is a part of this notion of bargaining for the common good. We have uh, members who've, who work with community organizations who are fighting to, say, lift the ban on rent control in Illinois, right. um, who are fighting for a, a community benefits agreement with the Obama uh, Center. So, you know, we've we have Uh, friends and allies and discussions all the time about how housing policy influences black and brown communities in particular, their ability to live in the city. And I think 
people know that we teach in a school district that is 90% students of color. And so we've got to make sure that communities of color are able to stay in the city so that their kids can go to our schools. We ought to care about the conditions that our students and their families are living in. We ought to see that directly connected to our own self-interest, but also the greater good. And so, yeah, we said we think that the district should commit to advocating with us on housing policy, that they should also look at programs to help members be able to afford to live in the city. Um, And we said that there needs to be additional protections for um, students in transitional living situations, otherwise known as homeless students, because, you know, we have nearly 18,000 homeless students every year. That's insane. And we take full responsibility um, for being, again, the advocates, right? And saying, yeah, this is absolutely something you can put in a contract. And gosh darn it, we won um, full-time funded positions for STLS coordinators in the schools that have the highest numbers of homeless students, expansion of stipends for STLS liaisons, um, and a commitment that the district will involve us in discussions going forward around housing. You know, so we didn't get everything we wanted, right. um, but again, this is a, a step forward, something new um, that we can continue to build upon going forward. Uh, it's important that we have a great voice in the city and that we advocate for this because we're a big organization. We have a lot of members and we have a lot of power in in our voice and we need to stand up for the things that we believe are right. That's right. And just one last question I've got, and I know you've got to run. You're a very busy, busy person. Um, We've now got a tentative agreement. So what's the difference between that and an actual contract? Sure. And what is the next step forward for our members? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, um, the House of Delegates has recommended a tentative agreement. That means uh, constitutionally, once the strike is suspended, which I believe was announced today that we yep. will be back at work. Just People, a few minutes ago. It's amazing. People are going to go Shocking. see their students on a Friday, she right? She bargained about giving us back some I know. of those she days. She said she, she wasn't going to give the days. Who knew? <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. Yes. Every, every single thing she said she wouldn't do, she has done. Um, And that's because of our pressure. So folks are going to get to go back to work tomorrow, talk to their students about what what they won, um, what they're still going to fight for, um, and how we're going to move forward um, this uh, quarter. But then our members are going to get to read the entire document. The document is already available to members on the member link portal. Um, They're going to read it. They're going to discuss it in union meetings at their school. We're going to call for multiple meetings at the union hall so people can get more information. We actually have had three meetings just today. Um, Clinicians, special educators, and strike coordinators are all having meetings today to learn about what's in the tentative agreement. So we'll keep doing that. And then constitutionally, there has to be a referendum vote of all membership um, within 10 days of suspending the strike. So coming up before the 10th of November, sometime in that window, we will set up the procedures for this referendum vote. And the membership of the Chicago Teachers Union will decide, do we have a contract? Does this tentative agreement um, form the foundation of our contract and then after that you know there's all the behind the scenes work yeah enforcement of that contract well not just that but like cleaning up the document like people don't think about that in order to get your contract into a little book like lawyers have to argue about every period and every sentence and all the formatting and then the more important piece that you mentioned is our staff our members have to start putting in structures in place in order to enforce this agreement because it's only as good as we hold cps to it Our rights are only good if we enforce them. That's right. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me.
right. And we're sitting here in the wonderful studio at CTU. And who just walked in is Jesse Sharkey, the president of Chicago Teachers Union. The hardest working man in Chicago. The hardest working man in Chicago wearing a red hoodie for sure. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, good. We're back at work tomorrow. Yes, nice. we are. It's always a little bit of a letdown, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. Yep. Uh, but there's a lot of emotions that are involved in a strike. And being back at work, I'm sure, brings back a, a, a flood of feelings for people. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm in right there myself. Yeah, today was pretty intense. So we're back, we're back in school tomorrow. How did that happen? I mean, what happened is that uh, this year, it, it was on Tuesday mm-hmm. uh, that wound up producing sort of the last $5 million that came into our contract right. for veteran pay. And we knew that it was time to update people about where we were at. Um, and so uh, we had a meeting scheduled. And so we basically brought back the set of terms that were as far as we'd gotten at that point um, on Wednesday. But, you know, by Wednesday, not, not a whole lot had changed on, on key issues. And we began to realize that uh, we'd gotten as much out of CPS as we thought that we were going to get. Um, next phase of the strike would have had to have been to figure out how to produce a sort of generalized political crisis in the city and, uh, you know, to force the city to shift its political priorities. And, right. you know, that's easier said than done, uh, especially when you've got a mayor who is um, very isolated, but also very insulated. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, that was a point where it was time for our delegates and members to start thinking about um, ending the strike and counting up what we achieved. So what do you feel like the biggest wins were for our students? Uh, For our students, I I mean, I think the clearest things have to do with um, $35 million a year uh, in class size protections Mm -hmm. and a a mechanism to enforce um, oversized classes. And um, the other one, obviously, about staffing guarantees over the life of the contract. So having those things in writing, we talked about that all along. Those are things we didn't have when we began the strike, but we were able to achieve those things over the course of the strike. Now, last night I was at the House of Delegates meeting, and it was a very contentious Democratic meeting, as we always have. And it was intense and beautiful, wasn't it? It was. It was great. <laughs> and I will say, I think it, my favorite part is when the high schools got up and they said their biggest sticking point was prep time for elementary schools. Mm. I was really proud of my staff at, at King when they said, if the elementary school teachers think this is important enough to stay out, that's what we'll do. And I, I was very proud of that when I came in and I saw all these other schools standing up for people who aren't themselves. And that's really what this movement's about, standing up for people who are not ourselves. Yeah, that's right. I, it, it was just an incredibly inspiring uh, last couple of weeks. Yes, it our, was. Yeah. I, I mean, our, our members out there in the streets were, um, were really involved in, mm-hmm. you know, put the strike in the public eye, yeah. made... Um, Made the city sympathize and uh, you know inspired the country. I, I mean, really, like it's it, it's the the outpouring of um, you know me- member sentiment, of uh, public sentiment. I mean, it was every everywhere you looked around the city. Uh, re- really, it was sort of an incredible display of um, what makes us a, a beautiful union. When we voted to um, approve the tentative agreement. It was contingent on the days mm-hmm. um, that were going to be given back. And immediately the mayor said, I'm not giving anything on that. And then today I see in the, uh, the Sun-Times, there's a great picture of you marching into the, uh, into the mayor's <laughs> office 
all tough looking. <laughs> look, if you haven't like seen a, this, Sarah like Carp tweeted it out. Not a meeting with the mayor. It's it's great. <laughs> I, I love this picture. I'm gonna make my background maybe, but um, <laughs> make it a backdrop. Yeah, for that's that. what we yeah. should do. We mm-hmm. should have that like the big flag. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so, what was it like? So you walk into the mayor's office, the mayor who I don't know six hours earlier said, "I'm not giving an inch on this." That we moved the goalpost because she's so loves these sports metaphors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, balls in our court, all that. But um, so what was it like? You walk into the mayor's office and she had said originally, we're not doing it. And then what happens? I'm going to have to think about how I share some of the specific things and wh- whether I do that. That's I, fair. Uh, there, there's, well, I mean, there's some things that I, that I heard in the meeting that um, are, you know, are, are pretty intense and probably important but i need i need a little bit of time to think about of that course. it's fine. um but let me no 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 I, I for sure for sure uh this is my favorite place to be <laughs> well one of them i should yeah. say uh but um the thing i guess I, I i would say about it is that uh the mayor was really angry uh and you know really kind of told me and us off uh, you know, and accused us of doing real harm to students. And I mean, the meeting didn't begin well in that sense. That, you know, she basically said, you know, you don't deserve nothing. Um, you know, th- and it became kind of clear to me that the mayor was, um, you know, actually very angry at us and viewed anything right. that was achieved in this contract as sort of being a, uh, a defeat for her. Um so without going into a lot of details about it, I would say that's kind of where the me- it, it couldn't have started worse in that sense. Mm. Um, and she basically said, you know, here's my offer, two days, take it or leave it. Um, and the kind of meeting went from there. And it was quite tense. And uh, the negotiation, the back and forth on it lasted, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. Sure. Okay. And at which point, you know, it became clear to me that she would, she, she would kick me out right away if there wasn't anything more there than that. So... You know, we just just kept working it, and then at a certain point, it, they, sh- you know, she sort of said, "Okay, this is the bottom line. You know, you know, either either go back out on, you, know, you can leave now. We got to make an announcement one way or the other," and um, and that's when I sort of thought, at some point, sort of being on strike and sh- having schools closed down behind the demand to have more days of school, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a hard one to keep going, sure, right? um, especially after people lose health insurance, right, right. And um, and so it was. It was just time to to take take the win. You know, I win. I wasn't. A, it's not a win, right? And you know, right. the truth of the matter is that our members had to give up six days' pay in order to win improvements for our schools. You know, we shouldn't have had to have done that. But right. um, uh, you know, in the end, our schools are be better for a long time as a result of what we did. So we is it two days or was it five days that we're back that we get? Uh, Oh no! The mayor was offering to, but we um, so but we're going to get a week. Of, uh, we're going to have five days. So of stores. Five days. Yeah. And these, are these student days or teacher days? Do we? They're be instructional no. days. So they're all instructional yeah. days. Yeah. Okay. Now, normally, just I'm somebody had told me earlier that normally when uh, teachers go out on strike around the country, we don't normally get days back. It varies in Illinois. Uh, you know, the the practice is largely that people would make up the student instructional days. Um, this mayor decided that she wasn't going to do that, okay. and she uh, made a big public point of it. She's been saying that for weeks. The fact that she had to walk that back, I think, is testament to the mood in the city, the strength right. of our membership. And you know, we look, we took a little risk on that, um, right. but um, it paid off. So, where do we go from here? I mean, the first thing we have to say is that we have to have a conversation with our members about what is in this tentative agreement. It doesn't become our contract until it's ratified by our entire membership. 
So, you know, it's a good opportunity to talk about uh, what the language is here, um, what people think about it. It, It's a way people to raise concerns about their buildings and schools. And it's a way for us to think about how we come back into work stronger, more conscious of our power, more conscious of our ability, of our unity, because ultimately what we're trying to do is build a stronger union. One of the things Andrea and I had been talking about earlier was how this is not really the end of a fight. It's the beginning of a new kind of fight Mm -hmm. that we're fighting for things because we we got things in this contract we're not allowed to actually really um, demand of the city or of the mayor. Um, But they're things the kids need. It's really fighting for what these kids and the schools our students deserve. And it's a new kind of fight, a new era of how labor is going to work in the city. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of new language which will help us to protect our rights in the building, but like any like any kind of words in a book, you know, words in a book aren't meaningful by themselves. They're 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 meaningful when people decide to put those words in their heart and right. take action in, in order to make those rights have meaning. So that that's going to be our our job next. Uh, that and within ten school days. Um, the con- from tomorrow, the Constitution says we, we've got to take a vote to um, either ratify a tentative agreement um, or go back out and try for more. And in right. order to ratify the agreement, there is a simple majority, the two thirds of the membership. How how do we get that ratified? Now you're hoping I don't say that it's 75 percent of our time. <laughs> right. We'd be on strike forever. Uh, no, it's a simple majority. All right. So, Jess, this, Jess, this is our first time going on strike oh, with on, a. Oh, um, hello. Uh, Senator Sanders, this is Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. Hold, hold on, uh, Senator Sanders. I, I'm, I'm actually you caught me right, literally, as we're taping a, um, a podcast for our membership. Can I put you on speakerphone? Uh, Senator Sanders, hello. We have Senator Sanders in the building. I'm, I'm, I'm great. Um, we, uh, it looks like we just managed to secure a back to work agreement, and our house um, took a tentative agreement, and we're going back to work tomorrow. Well, listen, I just called to congratulate you and the union for what looks to me like a very significant victory. Uh, And at a time when we're having a major funding crisis and staffing crisis in public education, you guys have won a victory that will not only be for Chicago, but be for the whole country. So very proud of what you have accomplished. Look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you, Senator Sanders. And thank you for all that you've done. for um, education justice and, um, you know, really to, to raise issues about inequality in this country. And, uh, you know, w- we really appreciated you coming in um, uh, when, when you came into town for that rally. That was important. That was Thank you for the support. Yes, it was. Well, you keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 <laughs> How cool Perfect was that? Timing. Yeah, that's kind of cool. No, that was awesome. I had my Bernie sticker on underneath the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jess, this is a, this um, this is our first time striking with another union within our school district, mm-hmm. which was SCIU, who has about ten thousand in their membership. So we was about thirty five thousand strong. Um, can you tell us what was that like being in solidarity with them, and how do we continue that solidarity once this, you know, uh, contract is ratified? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people should be aware of is that. During the number of the strikes in the 80s, there were coalitions of unions. So if you go back 30 years, you would have seen a similar kind of thing. But maybe there's a point there, uh, which is that labor solidarity, that idea that even though we might be in different unions or have different job classifications, we still share interests. That's right. That's an important idea. And it's an old idea in the labor movement. 
Um, but it's one that we've touched, we've lost touch with sometimes. Right. And, and I, I think it was just really powerful to have red and purple together. It was, I, I know it was an inspiration for our members. I, I know that it added pressure and helped us win good settlements. And so, for example, uh, one of the things about this tentative agreement that needs to get some attention is that there's a real wins in it for our lowest paid workers, for right. our PSRPs, uh, and SEIU is, is mainly low wage workers, bus aides, security, right. SICAs. Right. And um, not only is there uh, an increase in people's base rates, but the, uh, there's also addition of new lanes. They haven't had uh, lanes for education, educational attainment right. before. And the, the step schedule was also adjusted in a way that makes people's raises, uh, which adds money to their schedule. So, you know, nice. those, are, those are significant things. And it means that some of our, lower, our lowest paid workers are going to get real gains under this contract. And that's directly related to that solidarity. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for stopping by. I know you're super busy. Uh, well, I'm super tired. Uh, <laughs> I, I was just going to say that. <laughs> I bet you are. That bed is just waiting for you. But, um, uh, you know, re- really, it's been, um, this has been an incredible uh, last few weeks. Uh, our, this m- union has, um, you know, been magnificent out there. Uh, all the members should feel very proud uh, to have fought, uh, to have made m- many things we didn't achieve, but many things we did achieve. And all of it was through solidarity and hard work. And so, great leadership. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) There you go. We are welcoming Thaddeus Goodchild here, Deputy General Counsel for the Chicago Teachers Union, a.k.a. a great lawyer. Mm-hmm. We, we are here talking about class size. We know that class size was a very um, big issue for our members, and there's a lot of issues about that. So we are back, and many people would like to know what does that enforceable language look like to make sure that we did get some serious gains in reference to that. Talk to us, Thaddeus. Sure thing. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be yeah, here. Um, so I know that folks have a lot of questions about the new class size provisions in the contract, and there's understandably a lot of confusion about it. And um, you know, I think that that directly related to the fact that uh, CPS and the mayor uh, refused to bargain with us about this at all, right, until right. we were on strike. Um, and class size is an enormously complicated uh, subject. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were still bargaining over it until mid afternoon yesterday when wow. uh, we finally landed the deal. So I'm going to try to unpack a little bit uh, of what is in the tentative agreement. Uh, so I think it's helpful to think about it in three parts. Okay. Um, there are, uh, the class size limits. There are the resources devoted, uh, under the tentative agreement to, um, providing class size relief. Um, and then there is the mechanism to enforce those provisions and make sure that that relief is appropriately distributed. Gotcha. Um, so I'm going to start with the, with the limits. Um, so as folks will know, um, there have been class size limit numbers uh, in C2 contracts uh, for a number of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the limits in our old contracts were unenforceable. Right. Uh, there was a class size panel. Um, that had uh, $7 million to address class size issues. Um, And once a class was over the limits, um, folks could reach out to the panel uh, and request an investigation and see if there could be some relief uh, provided. Um, The problem, though, was that the class size panel uh, could only make recommendations under the old contract that Mm. CPS didn't have to follow. Wow. And they only had $7 million for the entire school district Mm. to do anything about class size. Um, So... 
those old limits um, are still in the contract, right? Okay. It is still the case that you can um, request the new class size council that I'll talk about in a minute that has some okay. important differences um, to do an invest- investigation once a class is over those limits, which are you know different by grade level. It's you know 28 students uh, for kindergarten, 28 for first through third grade, mm-hmm. 31 for fourth through eight. Um, and for high school, it differs depending on the subject. Um, so one thing that um, is is new um, around limits uh, in the tentative agreement is that now there are uh, there's a separate category of oversized class limits where it will trigger an automatic investigation, okay. um, where regardless the, you know the teacher doesn't have to ask for an investigation to happen um, once the class is you know for kindergarten four students over the limit. Same for um, actually K through eight, four students over the limit for high school, seven students over the limit. There's an automatic investigation uh, that that kicks in, um, and and the committee, um, the class size council rather. Now, how does that kick in? Is it the principal you see through Aspen? How do you see it? So CPS has uh, collect class size data, and okay. the new uh, class size provision in the contract um, requires CPS to share with the class size council. Um, data on on a weekly basis around class size, and so when the council sees that, hey, we see that um, you know Miss Jones's kindergarten class over at XYZ school uh, has uh, thirty four students mm-hmm. in it, that triggers an automatic investigation. Principal, mm-hmm. teacher don't have to do anything. So four students over the limit triggers it for kindergarten um, through uh, eighth grade. Okay, that's four right. Students okay. trigger. Okay. Um, so um, probably be a good time to, to to talk about the differences in the class size council. Um, the contract provides for uh, a council that has uh, 12 members on it, uh, six appointed by the CTU, six appointed by CPS. Um, and then in addition, um, there is a neutral tiebreaker who has to be mutually agreed upon by both parties to resolve any situations where um, there's a tie vote about what the appropriate uh, remedy is. In the old contract, I'd mentioned that uh, the class size panel had $7 million available to do class size relief. Uh, In the new contract, we have 500% that amount. Um, There's $35 million each year devoted to class size relief. Wonderful. So um, the the tentative agreement um, directs um, the class size council to um, first focus uh, on priority schools with oversized classes, and priority schools are defined in the contract, in the tentative agreement rather, um, is schools who have uh, 60% uh, or more of their students who reside uh, in tier one communities. A tier one community um, is uh, a community that based on socioeconomic status um, and uh, other factors around vulnerability, crime, trauma, um, places that you know would be in the most need uh, sure. uh, of additional resources. Schools are already labeled as these tiers already, correct? Correct. So we have what? They would right. Be more, so they the, the tentative agreement first. directs um, the, uh, the, the class size council to focus on those schools first um, for then for non-priority schools um, that are above the limits that are in 28-1, 
there used to be seven million dollars for the whole district. Now there's thirty five million dollars. Um, so yeah, let me talk a little bit um, about the enforcement mechanism in the tentative agreement. I had mentioned um, how there's a council that is comprised of an equal number of uh, CTU and CPS appointees right. um, that has uh, a neutral tiebreaker appointed to it. Um, the council has to have uh, at least monthly meetings uh, at which um, the uh, designated council members who are going out and doing the investigations at around uh, oversized classes uh, around the city come back um, with uh, recommendations to the council as to the relief that should be provided. And the council makes a decision in each case about the sorts of remedy um, that uh, should be provided. Um, and those sorts of remedies are things like adding a teacher assistant, mm -hmm. um, reorganizing uh, class or class schedule, um, splitting a class into two classes. Um, one of the remedies that under uh, the tentative agreement that cannot be imposed is establishing multi-grade classrooms to relieve class sizes because that ends up being difficult for students and teachers. Right. And teachers, yeah. Yep. Um, or, and in high school, another potential remedy um, is the creation of a point two position. Um, so paying a teacher an additional 20% of their salary to teach a sixth class, class right. so to open up another section of a class. Um, and so a really important difference uh, when it comes to enforcement in uh, the tentative agreement as opposed to the way that things have worked in the past is that the class size council's uh, decisions are final and binding. So when the council issues a decision, say they decide um, that a teacher assistant needs to be hired, right. uh, the principal and CPS can't say, oh, we appreciate your recommendation, but no thanks, right. we're not but going we to. We do that right now. Right. Um, they have to abide by it. I'm sorry. How on. quick does this happen? So the the meetings happen uh, once a month, and I or as needed, it says in the contract, mm -hmm. as requested by other party. I would imagine that at the we we envision that at the beginning of the school year, in particular, beginning of the semester, that the meetings will happen more frequently than once once a month. Um, but there are quick timelines as like to turnarounds. When um, the the class size data comes in is uh, oversized um, for the class size council to to go out there and to come back uh, and make a recommendation um, to the council and then for a decision to issue. Another thing that's really important um, is that in the event that um, CPS or uh, an individual school doesn't comply with the class size council's decision, their noncompliance would be subject to expedited arbitration. What does that mean? That means um, that this process that has not been subject to a grievance arbitration procedure for the last 25 years, we could be able to, through that grievance arbitration process, get the class size uh, council's decision enforced and expedited means that you don't have to file a grievance with your principal or with the board okay. and have a low level hearing and have them deny it and then appeal it and have them deny it Got again it. and then go to arbitration. Uh, it means that it would go directly to arbitration. Skip okay. like three or four steps. Yeah. Yes. Go straight there. Okay. Quick. So That's we great. don't see this money because we have, you said about 500% more. We don't foresee this money being an issue like it's going to, it's not going to be enough to cover. So I, th I think we're clear about the fact that this isn't going to, um, you know, mean that there won't be a single oversized class in the school district ever. But what it means is that there is five times the money that there has been to this point uh, to solve this problem. Um, the tentative agreement also speaks to um, the fact that so the 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 table that is in Article Twenty Four, um, the the column all the way to the right speaks to oversized class limits um, after next school year. So this kicks in next school year um, and. The goal is to reduce those numbers even lower 
in the out years of the contract. Uh, and the other hope is that, you know, there are a lot of principles, right, that we're purposefully stacking uh, classes right. oversized, um, both at, you know, selective enrollment schools where, um, you know, they're enrolling more kids, accepting more applications than they actually have the capacity to serve or, you know, principals trying to pad their budgets, right, mm-hmm. by, you know, through SBB um, with what um, SBB? student-based budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, um, by by overpacking classes, um, you know dollars. the additional teeth that we have on enforcement here will provide a disincentive for principals doing that, um, and so some of this we're hoping will result in some self correction nice. um, in, in in principals programming decisions. And this is truly a win because. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely think it is. Um, the language on class size in the previous agreements uh, was unenforceable and had grossly insufficient resources attached to it. Um, we have maintained those guideline limits, increased the amount of money uh, devoted to class size relief from $7 million a year to $35 million a year, established numbers at which there is an automatic investigation nice. instead of teachers having to reach out. Um, and we've got true binding enforcement um, rather than just a recommendation, which is what we used to have. That's great. Well, thank you, Thaddeus, for thank joining so us today. Much. I and hope that educated our 25,000 plus members as well yep. as parents and students. Class size. You definitely educated me. Let's begin. Let's begin. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks, episode 10. We're, We're back. back. If you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe yes, at ctulocal1.org or any podcast platforms. Also, tell your friends, your coworkers, your relatives your to mom. be subscribed as well. Call Lori and tell her to subscribe. I think we should all I would love that as well. I think we're going to do that. What else can we do to get involved? What what can we do if we're that passionate about doing this So even within your own buildings, join your professional problems committee. That's the the committee or PPC. I know Jim hates that title. I do not like that name. Maybe that's something we can have added to the contract language next time. We should have a different name. Call it a different name. I agree. So that's something you can do in your building with your delegate and you elect some members and any problems that you have that are contract related, you bring it to your principal. Yep. We don't always want to be just so quick to file grievances. What we want to do is have a um, proper respectful relationship with our principal. And that way you have, you know, monthly meetings, you're showing consistency and you're building that power in your school. So when you have issues in the school that feel like your contract is being violated, you know, you have a right, reg- you know, you have regular union meetings hear these issues bring it to the principal we don't want the delegate to be by him or herself you show the principal that they are solidarity so we have those monthly meetings and that's one way to get involved and there's also the pplc in the building dealing with curricular issues and if you want to get more involved at the union there's a whole bunch of other things that we can do here as we well. have a plethora of things for you to do another good word that is awesome <laughs> so i'm just going to read you some of the various committees there's probably over 30 of them you can go to ctulocal1.org slash union slash committees and find out and one of them is ours the communications public relations committee where jim and i are on it is and if you want to join us we can use the help for sure for sure definitely but just to give you an idea of some of the other committees that there are available 
committees for clinicians, counselors, bilingual education, early childhood, special ed, high school steering committee, the arts, librarians, membership committee, organizing committee, pension and insurance, physical education, political action, PSRPs, retired members, rules and elections, school finance and taxation, social committee, women's rights. Wow. That's only about half of them. I skipped a lot of them because <laughs> our producer's looking at me like, when are you going to stop? Right. I know, right? But there are so many. So definitely go to the website, ctulocal1.org, or call us. 312-467-8888. Or you could email us at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. We love positive feedback. So if you get anything positive, say please. Yeah. That message. Positive ones are nice. You can send some negative ones too. It's okay. I'm sure they're mostly But address anyway. it to Jim. Yeah, I, nice. Thank you. Yeah. And we also want to just thank our guests for coming in. Thaddeus Goodchild, our Deputy General Counsel, Jen Johnson, the um, Chief of Staff of the Chicago Teachers Union, and of course, Jesse Sharkey, the President of the Chicago Teachers Union. And until next time, we are CTU Speaks. Yes, we are.